You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. So before we begin, I got a little venting to share. Um, for those of you who don't know me, like I said, my name is Pastor Nick, and my wife and I moved here from Florida about a year ago, actually a year last week. So we're celebrating our one-year anniversary in North Carolina. But what that means is that we are actually Florida Gator fans. And so for those of you who have been keeping up with the College World Series that might be knowing what's going on, um, we unfortunately just lost. And that was a pretty big bummer on my weekend. It was like, great. I thought we were going to win. We were projected to win. And sure enough, uh, we lose and we get kicked out. And that would have been okay. That wouldn't have been too bad of a weekend, except for the fact that we got kicked out by no other than Pastor Farrell's Arkansas Razorbacks. So if losing and not being in the championship wasn't bad enough, sure enough, I'm getting texts from Pastor Farrell. I know I'm going to be getting like the grins from him like for the rest of the week. And it's just pray for me for that. First world problems. It's going to be a tough week for me. But having said that, I just want you guys to know where I'm at kind of going into this morning. But to get back on track, we're going to be going into Galatians chapter 3 today, if you have your Bibles. And we're continuing our series of our study of Galatians. And for those of you who have been here, you know that we've kind of been tracking along in the book of Galatians. And we see in this book, um, the Apostle Paul really just kind of laying out and addressing an issue that's kind of infiltrated the church. And he's really been spending this whole letter, his whole writing to these people, kind of addressing uh, something that's come up in their church, something that's caused kind of a tension between the people in it, and has really caused a division uh, within their group. And what he's addressing here is this idea of you have people in this church that have come together who, who have been taught what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ, but they're starting to kind of fall back into their old ways. And they start kind of thinking about, okay, maybe our faith in Jesus Christ is good, but we still need to kind of keep some of the Jewish laws. And we need to kind of go back to making sure we're following those rules and doing those things because those are really what are going to make us righteous and those are going to be the things that save us. And Paul kind of hears about this going on and he kind of feels a a frustration and and a need to address it within this church in Galatia. And one of the things that we need to know about Paul and kind of what what has led him to this point, and one of the really cool things, and by cool I mean kind of interesting things about uh, chapter 3 here, is that we really see Paul's emotions start to come out. You know, the Apostle Paul is someone who, who, who... has been made a foundation in Christ. He's gone to Galatia. He's actually helped to build this church up and teach this church what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. And so for him, he's been someone that's been emotionally and physically invested in this group of people. He's helped pour into these people. And what we see kind of playing out is as he's kind of addressing this issue, addressing this thing that they're doing, he almost kind of comes out with a frustration. And in chapter 3, we almost see Paul kind of, kind of take this role as, as like a, a spiritual father. In fact, if you have your worship guide, you might see that you have a devotion that you can follow uh, throughout the week. And those devotions are just kind of help you look through and process some of the things that we talk about during our Sunday mornings. And I recommend you guys looking at that through the week. But, but what we see happen is Paul's really coming to a point where he's just frustrated, and we see him almost kind of reach a point where, where he's like a parent to these people. 
I don't know if any of you are parents, but have you ever been in a situation where maybe you're speaking to your son or daughter and you've kind of been pouring into them, you've been giving them some guidance, you really try to teach them the right way to live, and then for some reason or another that they come across a situation, your son or daughter does something, and it almost seems like they've taken all that knowledge, all that wisdom, all that stuff you've taught them, and they just seem to kind of throw it out the window, and it's not in their recollection whatsoever, and they go and do something completely, I mean, you just say dumb. And they do something, and you almost reach a point as the parent where you're like, you know, what happened? You know, what, what were you thinking when, when you did this? Like, were, were you thinking at all? What, what, just, you almost reach a point where you're trying to figure out the thought process because it doesn't quite make sense. I heard a mom talking to me about a story between her and her son the other day, and it's almost like you reach a point where it's like you know better, you've been taught better, and yet now you're still doing something the complete opposite of what you've been taught. So what happened? What, what were you thinking during that time? And that's kind of what we see Paul beginning to express in, Paul, uh, in Galatians chapter 3. He starts to express this frustration of, hey, you were taught this. I showed you this, and you're doing that. What, what were you thinking? Because what Paul's addressing with the church is really this idea of they're going back to trying to live by the law. And they're trying to live their lives righteously in order to act righteous in front of God. Which seems good and doesn't necessarily seem like a bad thing, but the problem is, is that they continue to move towards trying to live righteous lives. They try to live by the rules in order to look righteous, in order to look good, but they're completely forgetting the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. You see, where the law was teaching them and forcing them to live by this concept, if, if I do this, I will be saved, they completely started ignoring the fact that Jesus Christ came and it's through belief in him and belief in what he did for us that we are actually saved. See, the law was able to show them what a righteous life looked like, but it's through Jesus and what Jesus did that we actually become righteous. And the people were starting to forget that, and that just caused Paul to reach this point of, you're missing it. You forgot what we talked about. You forgot what I taught you. And that's kind of what we see him start expressing in chapter 3. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to to chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 1, and we're going to read through this. And we're going to kind of go through the the majority of the book. We're going to go through till verse 25. And I just want you guys to hear his heart behind it. Because you can see how much passion that he has for these people. You can see how passionate he is about what he's expressing. And really, he just lays it all out on the line. Like he goes through step by step and addresses this problem and tells them what it really means to be saved by Christ. So starting with verse 1. And it's available on the screen if you want to just read along. It says, You foolish Galatians. Right there off the bat, he's already in a bad mood. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to just learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And again, he says, are you so foolish? 
after beginning by means of the Spirit, you are now trying to finish by means of the flesh. Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing in what you heard? So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me make an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to human covenant that has duly, been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture doesn't say in two seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person, who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then? Was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party. But God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So that's a big chunk of scripture, but what's great about it is how Paul really not only just flat out lays out everything that's important about Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ did for us, but he also kind of addresses what's going on in the minds of the people at this time. And I think for us as the church, I mean, we live in 2018, and for us, it kind of seems like common sense. You know, what we see Paul really saying is that, yes, it's faith in Jesus Christ that we're made righteous. It's not about the law. Like, that makes total sense to us. 
And that's something that really we, we can think of and think, oh, that's normal. Everyone's welcome to church. The church, the gift that comes from Jesus is available to everyone. But what we tend to forget is how countercultural what Paul is really saying is at that time. You know, because really when you talk about the church and you talk about the situation that's coming up in Galatia, we have two groups of people there. You basically, you have the Judaizers, you have a group of people who have spent their entire lives really living by the law, living by this law that came from Moses. And you can imagine their, their thought process being that, you know, we heard God promise Abraham that he was going to give us his spirit. You know, and then we saw him give us this law, and it's through this law that we'll be made righteous, and then through being righteous, we'll gain that spirit. And that's what their thought process was. But part of the law they were talking about included staying completely away from this other group of people. We couldn't affiliate with these Gentiles. We couldn't affiliate with these non-Jewish people. Because if we stay away from them, that's part of us staying righteous. That's part of us staying good in God's eyes. And it's when we stay good in God's eyes, then we'll get the gifts from God. And that's one group of people that Paul is addressing here. The other group of people is those Gentiles. You know, for the Gentiles, they've heard of this Jewish God. They've heard of this law of Moses. This is something that they've never been a part of. This is something that they've never been able to be uh, a part of in, in the creation of. They've never been a part or affiliated with this other group of Jews. So for them to come around and for them to realize, oh, we're now being accepted through Jesus Christ and what Jesus did, we're also being told that we have to follow the rule book. And if we follow the rule book, then we'll be made righteous. Then we'll receive the gifts that come from God. But it's only by doing the rules first. And really for them, this was kind of like a common sense decision. And this is what frustrated Paul so much. And this is why Paul had to make a point to address it with them. You know, from Paul, we see how his life played out. Paul was a, a, a Jewish man who lived by the rules, who knew the law and did everything he could to live it out. And then we all know about his, his road to Damascus experience where he sees Jesus Christ right in his very eyes. And he has that encounter with Jesus. So Paul was really very unique to share this message with this group of people because he comes from the law. He had the encounter with Jesus. And not only that, he has spent years kind of figuring out how the two work together. It's not an idea that the law collides with the promise that we had of Jesus Christ. It's how they work together perfectly to paint out what God had in store for us from the beginning. And so that's kind of all the stuff that Paul's addressing here. And what we see him lay out is really just the verbatim, here's how it all plays out. You know, he says, yes, Abraham was given a promise in faith. Abraham had faith in God, and it was because he had faith in God, he was seen as righteous. And that was the beginning, and that was what we saw was going to be what made people righteous in God's eyes. It was going to be a faith in something else. 
But then what happens? We jump another 400 years, he talks about there. And he talks about the law. And so it's like, well, if we're going to have faith, if there's going to be a Savior, if there's going to be someone that can take our spot in that, then what's the point of the law? Well, it's very clear. The law painted the picture of what it looks like to be righteous. You know, if we're really being righteous people, if we're living the way God intended us to, the law isn't a bad thing. In fact, the law shows us what it means to be perfect. It shows us the example of what a righteous life would look like. But it's also kind of one of those things where we realize the more and more we try to follow the law, the more and more we try to follow the rules, we kind of start to realize we can't do it on our own. You know, it's like if you ever try to start a diet or you try to start exercising or be healthy and you try to take steps towards becoming healthy, you try to take steps on kind of getting on the right track, And you kind of do research and you kind of realize, wow, the more and more I try to do things right, the more and more I try to add little more regimes to my life, I'm never going to be perfect. You know, there's always going to be that one carb. There's always going to be that last crunch that I can't do because it's never going to be enough because I can't get to that perfect description. But at least what the law did was give us kind of an idea of what perfection could look like but it didn't necessarily make us righteous. You know, it's kind of like how I shared it was like a box of Legos. And I got Star Wars Legos. I don't recommend Solo, but I recommend Rogue One if you haven't seen it yet. But if we look at a box of Legos, we can almost see a perfect depiction, kind of like the law, of what the end result should look like. We can see what we're striving for. We can see what everything is supposed to be like when all the pieces are together. And this is kind of the picture that the book of the law gave us. But the problem with it is that for as much as we get a perfect depiction, as much as we can see the end result, as much as it shows us what we're supposed to look like when we do everything perfectly, just having the box doesn't put all the pieces together. You know, there's still things in our lives that we need to work out. There's still things that we will always need to address. And there's things that at the end of the day, we're never going to be perfect, so we need something else to help us to become perfect. And that's what the need of the Savior was for. That's why we needed Jesus to come after the law. The law showed us what righteousness was. The law showed us what it would take. The law showed us we couldn't do it on our own, so we needed Jesus to be able to come and do it for us. See, once we see the purpose of the law, we can also see what the purpose of grace was. Because the provision of grace is the fact that where we couldn't be perfect, where we couldn't meet the standards... Jesus came down and took that role for us. Because Jesus was perfect, because Jesus was the Son of God, he was able to live the righteous life we never could. And because he was able to be perfect, he was able to take our spot, and he took that curse for us and became the ultimate sacrifice for us because it's through him and what he did that we can now be seen as righteous in God's eyes. That's why he says, I didn't come to get rid of the law. 
the law had a purpose. These rules aren't a bad thing. I'm just here to make them capable to be reached. Because the big thing, the, the real reason there was an issue of this church at the time was because we had the wrong mindset. They, they had this belief of, okay, if, if I follow the rules, if I do everything right, then I'll be able to be righteous in God's eyes. And if I'm righteous in God's eyes, then I will receive the promise of his spirit. But what Paul has to remind them that, no, we can never be perfect. We can't follow all the rules. The only way we can be righteous is accepting Christ and accepting the grace that we get through his sacrifice. And once we put our faith in Jesus, then we're seen as righteous before God. And then we receive the promise of his spirit, and it's through his spirit we can then be able to do these things, and we can, we can strive for the righteous life, and we can live our lives the way God intended us, not because of what we can do, not because of our strength, because of the strength of the Holy Spirit living in us. But all of that can only happen is if we first, first receive the free gift that God has given us. See, the great thing about what Jesus was able to do is he allowed us to be something that we couldn't be on our own. And that's right in the sight of God. And it's through Jesus dying for us and taking that place for us and helping us to be righteous in the sight of God that we can then receive the promises that God promises people. And it's that promised Holy Spirit that we're able to get. And it's when that happens, we all become under the same body. You know, if we just look at the law and we look at just following the rules, it becomes real simple. If you can't follow all the rules, if you can't pass the test, then you're just not good enough. But when we realize that none of us are perfect, none of us can follow all the rules, none of us can match up to what the law is calling us to, then we realize none of us are perfect. And we all needed a Savior. And we all received that gift from Jesus Christ. And that's when we come together as one body. And that's what Paul was trying to address to this church. And that's something that we really need to continue to remember today. You see, for us, we can hear this played out. We can, we can read the book, and we can read the problems that Paul's addressing, and we can kind of say, well, you know, that's, that's great for them back then, but that doesn't really apply to us today. You know, I don't think any of us are having very many uh, coffee, coffee discussions about, you know, circumcision, or what days to eat certain meats. I don't think you're normally having those conversations. And if you are, good on you. <laughs> I, I didn't even know how to finish that thought. But we might not be talking about, you know, the old law. But maybe we're talking about things like, you know, if I go to church on Sunday... Or, or if I just make sure I do my devotion in the morning, or if I, if I avoid cursing, or maybe I just avoid cursing in front of my pastor, or maybe if I, if I just, if I, if I avoid living with someone until I'm married, 
if I follow these rules, then I look Christian, and then I look righteous, and then I'll get the promises that God has for me. And I think as much as Paul was talking to this church, he would be screaming the same thing to us today. It's not about your church attendance. It's not about you, you, how much you know the Bible. But it's still about that first step. And it's receiving that free gift that we have in Christ. The fact that no matter how much we try, we can never be perfect. And we needed Jesus to die for our sins, to be made right with God. And once we get that first step, then we build that relationship with him. And then we're able to be baptized in his spirit and rely on his strength and his spirit working in us. And then things like going to church on Sunday or or reading scripture or spending time in prayer, they're not things that we have to do but it's things that we want to do. And it's things that we can achieve and we can strive for because we're not being empowered and we're not doing it on our own, but we're doing it with God working in us. But it all starts with taking that first step. And it all starts with realizing we couldn't do it on our own. We needed a Savior to come in and take care of it for us. So as we're finishing up, I just want you guys to close your eyes for a quick second. Because like I said, as as much as this is relevant back then, it's relevant for us today. And I think there could be people here that have have maybe you've been you've been holding on to something. Some kind of routine, maybe maybe something that you've held on to that you think, as long as I keep doing this, I'll have that perception of the Christian. I'll be that, that person that everyone looks at and is like, oh, that person's got their life together. And maybe you've been holding on to those things instead of simply just giving it up to God. And I want you to hear today that it's not about what you do. It's not about what you can accomplish. Those things are great. But none of those things can take the place of the gift that God has given us. Nothing can take the place of the grace that we have from Jesus. And maybe for some of you, you haven't even started that journey with God yet. Maybe up until today, you've thought to yourself, you know, I I can't, be a Christian. I can't affiliate with them because I, because I don't think I'll be able to meet the expectations. You know, I, I don't think I'll be able to, to meet the criteria, to, to do the things they asked me to. I, it just looks too hard for me, so I'm not even going to try it. Well, I want you to hear today that you have to remember it's not about what you can do. It's not about what you did. It's not about what you're going to do but it's about what Christ did for you. And yeah, there's things that you can do to to build your relationship with God, and there's things that you can do, but it all starts with receiving that free gift first. And those things will come, but they'll only come with God working in you. 
So wherever you're at today, I'm not going to ask you to to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to look up. I'm just going to ask you to think about what are those things that you're still holding on to? What are those expectations that you're afraid that you can't that you can't meet? And I just want you to lift them up to God right now. As I pray us out, just give those up to the Lord. And whether this is your first time or whether this is just a a recommitment, just make sure you receive that free gift from Christ. Because it's not something as no matter how hard you try, you're never going to be able to earn it. You just have to be able to receive it. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for today, God. We thank you for this message from your word, Lord. That as much as it applied back then, it still applies to us today, Lord. And God, we thank you for the gift that comes from your son, Jesus. That he came down and lived the life we couldn't. Died on the cross for our sake. That even though we can't live the perfect life, life, we can be seen as perfect in your eyes. And we thank you for that gift, Lord. And Lord, I pray for everyone in here, whatever it is that we're thinking of, whatever it is that might still be being held on to, Lord, we just lift them up to you right now. And we surrender those things to you. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you fill us right now. That when we leave here today, we know that we can lean on your strength in your guidance, and your wisdom. That the rules aren't bad. That there's healthy habits and healthy things to do in our lives to live by. But first we have to remember to lean on your strength and lean on your spirit. And so Lord, we commit to that today. And even when we stumble in the future, God, we thank you for the grace that you have given us. And we just pray that this is a continual process of growing to know you more and becoming the men and women that you have called us to be. We love you. We thank you. your name we pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.